Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian Mogish. And I'm Mike Esquivel. And you're listening to Wheel Spin Network. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Whenever you may be listening to this podcast, uh, thanks for downloading. This is our first podcast, and we are coming to you from Austin, Texas, home of the U.S. Grand Prix. We want to offer you, our listeners, a new and exciting look into the world of F1 and hopefully expand and unlock new interests, not just here in the U.S., but the world over. And don't forget to check out our social medias. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Will Spin Network. Twitter will be Will Spin Net. Um, we would love to interact with you, answer any questions you might have, and also um, love to have suggestions from you to talk about on our podcast. Um, we do look forward to um, speaking with you guys. We hope you enjoy this podcast, as this will be the introduction of the 2018 F1 season. I think we get right into it, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so definitely I think the first thing we need to talk about with uh, the new season here um, is definitely the engines. So now the teams are only have three engines that they can work with, uh, two, I guess, auxiliary components. So that's everything from turbochargers, uh, the MGUK systems, the batteries. Uh, I guess just exactly what that's going to mean for, for the teams. Obviously this was done as a cost-cutting measure, um, what what do you think, Mike? So, yeah, it kind of knocked down one of everything from last year. If you're unfamiliar with what the regulations were from last year, each team had four engines, four gearboxes that they could uh, replace, whether that's from a crash out or just from a failure or a wear and tear over uh, a lot of laps and a lot of races. So um, I think it'll be huge in terms of strategy uh, come down the stretch in the middle and late season. Obviously, we've seen that the last couple of years as far as just having four, how, how that can affect. Um, it's pretty much guaranteed even with the four that almost every team was taking a penalty at somewhere. Um, so coming down to three would definitely uh, you know affect a lot of the teams. Um, do you think it will help or, or not help more so like the teams like Sauber and, and Toro Rosso? Well, what I like about it is it is an extra engineering challenge, which I think is really what F1 is all about. It's definitely top-light machinery, you know, exotic materials, awesome stuff like that, um, obviously being super fast. So I definitely think that, um, you know, I don't think in its entirety it's a bad idea, um, but the, the biggest worry I have, uh, and we kind of saw it a little bit last year, is especially when you start getting to the middle of the season, the end of the season. Um, obviously, if you're trying to save components, uh, you're not going to want to run the car. So there were some practice sessions where we saw where, you know, if the conditions weren't exactly perfect, uh, the teams didn't want to go out because if the data is not fully going to help um, their race, then they're going to just chill out. So... I think that can affect the fans adversely, you know, especially if you're at a weekend where it's already raining. Um, I'm remembering Circuit of the Americas a couple of years ago when we had a rainy weekend and it was already pretty miserable for the fans. Right. And then to so to already be soaking wet and having to trudge through mud and whatnot, but then you're getting less track time because that's that's always what I'm looking at when when I go to a circuit, like just seeing seeing the cars. And, and getting that actual track time is, is why I want to go to the races. I, I want to see the cars, you know, I, I want to watch the guys develop the car. I think it's awesome to see over the weekend, see how the lines develop, see how, um, what drivers are kind of find that line before others. And, and obviously you've got the differences and between the top flight cars and, and the, uh, in the back of the cars. So, um, you know, again, if, if we've got teams that are just sitting there, then I don't think that helps anyone. Well, and an aspect, too, that might even affect the higher teams like the Mercedes and Ferraris of the world is that uh, extra special engine mode they have for qualifying. You know, um, what happens, you know, are, are they going to continue using that, that feature every, you know, every qualifying yeah. session? Or are they going to say, hey, 
this is a track that uh, we normally don't excel at. We need to use it here and not use it at, you know, a track that we might already have an upper hand at to kind of preserve our engine and, and you know, preserve our gearbox. So is it going to affect those kinds of things? Are we going to see less pole positions by Lewis Hamilton or Sebastian Vettel and more from the Red Bulls and other, you know, other drivers, you know, because of that? You know, what, what kind of effects like that might that have that a lot of people might not see right now? Um, the reduction in track time, could definitely be detrimental to um you know some some fans and viewership so hopefully um you know it, the pros outweigh the cons here um i think that you know it'll be yet to be seen on on what kind of changes and effects this will have well and f1 being a sport and a form of entertainment obviously uh, you've heard a lot in recent years about the talk of the show so again, if you've got if you've got drivers either slowing down during the race, um, slowing down during qualifying practice, whatever it may be, um, that's depriving me as a fan, you as a fan, of seeing those cars because you you only you only get what a couple hours of of actual track time, you know, over several weekend, you know, what twenty two weekends this year. Um, but even so, the actual track time of seeing a Formula One car flat out on track is already a pretty rare occurrence. So if you have that time, that already pretty, uh, pretty rare time, if, if then it's not about, it's not about the show, it's not about going for it, making the car go as fast as you can then again that that's hurting the show yeah and it's just going to be about preserving the engine i mean when we're there at at circuit of the americas watching uh you know united states grand prix um you know and and even if it's just a practice session uh you know you're talking just an hour and a half in length it you know a lot of these tracks are having to bring on many other um races and other events to kind of fill in the time for the for the fans who are really there primarily to see you know their favorite f1 driver or team um go out for an hour and a half to maybe only be on track for nothing but who knows uh 30 minutes 45 minutes uh because they're trying to preserve their engine so uh, i think that it could possibly have some negative effects to it hopefully not um, kind of moving into something else that may have some some negative effects or positive effects who knows is is the halo and that's the introduction here in in 2018 uh which everybody knows of everybody uh kind of had a lot of backlash to it when it was finally announced um at, late last year um which is also another uh, another side of it you know how effective will these be uh given how little time these team had these teams had to to adapt and and you know construct this halo and and make it fit to their car uh to make sure it's safe but also to make sure their car can still go fast well the the halo is something it's it's something that nobody really asked for or really wanted um of course the drivers obviously want themselves to be safe um but no one necessarily came upon an agreement on what that should be um, again, I'm all for the safety of F1, and I definitely want the drivers to be safe, um, but I, I don't think Halo's going anywhere, so I think that's a bit water under the bridge, but, um, obviously, the look of the cars is, I mean, that's the first thing. Whenever, whenever you're introducing new people to F1, or, or even when you're looking at the new cars, obviously the Halo is, now it's a, it's a new thing, um, so it's the first thing you see, at least that's it's the first thing I see. And in pictures, it definitely, it looks pretty terrible. Um, but then again, I guess, you know, how much of F1 is purely aesthetics? I mean, you've got a sport where everything is engineered and everything has so many man hours of, of thought process going into it, whether it be a front wing, whether it be an end plate, whether it be a, um, an exhaust. Um, so... I don't think you should get too hung up over aesthetics, um, but I, I definitely think there could have been something more organic that, that could have been done, or even just having the team's design at least come to an agreement over over what they want. Now, 
course, that's asking F1 teams to agree on something, which we know never happens. No, no. And, and I think that, um, you know, not enough testing was done on it to begin with. Um, I would I, definitely you know, agree there. We definitely saw a few teams in, in practice sessions throughout the year or last year that would test them, and they even tested different devices as well. Um, but there was nowhere near enough testing done on these Halo devices to say definitively that these are going to change, you know, for more safety and also uh, so that the drivers can see, you know, and that it's um, not actually causing more hazards to the driver than uh, than it would be reducing. So, um, you know, I think that's definitely one of the flaws that the FIA dealt with here is there wasn't anywhere near enough testing. Again, obviously the appearance thing was the biggest backlash of what everybody had to it, especially the more traditional uh, F1 fans, and that's okay. Um, you know, personally, I'm definitely, I want to see the racing. You know, you can add whatever halo. You could close the cockpit, which, of course, would be, uh, outrageous, but um, if it comes down to it, I I would be more interested in seeing that uh, a Mercedes isn't you know bet to win on every single race, race in and race out. Um, that there is a couple teams that are fighting for wins and championships. To me, that makes the F one season. That makes uh, F one grow, and um, you know I think that ultimately is where Liberty Media should be targeting to enhance. Well, if you if you look at the halo device which is itself it is a safety device it's there uh, purely for the purpose of deflecting debris uh, keeping the vehicle from submarining over another whether it be a wall whether it be another car Um, and i think in that respect it it certainly is going to do its job Uh, where i think it it does fail is uh, felipe massa when he had uh, his big incident uh, several years ago, you know that was a that was a spring that came off a car in front of him and hit his helmet. Uh, the halo is not going to protect against that. Um, it's purely again, it's like larger debris, like tires. Um, again, submarining under something. I think the other side of it is we still haven't seen um, tracks with huge elevation changes. So again, thinking Circuit of the Americas, Turn One. Like you're gonna be blind for a second as you're as you're heading up that uh, heading up into turn one into that hill. You've got places like Spa going up a Rouge. Um, you know what's gonna happen when the drivers are are blind for a second. I think that's something you definitely have to content uh, definitely have to consider um, with this device. And uh, again, in a rollover situation as well, we've already seen it takes longer for the drivers to get out of the car the FIA has raised the minimum uh cockpit exit time uh what's going to happen uh Alonzo with his wreck last year in Australia when the car rolled over uh he was able to get out of that car really quick um and luckily there wasn't any kind of fire or fluid spill over him but what happens if uh that device either gets deranged you know can it get deranged and is that going to impede a driver trying to escape um, a dangerous car? Again, you've also got electric systems, electrical systems, uh, high voltage batteries. Again, recovery systems. What's what's that going to look like? So I, I guess it's always weighing the benefits, the the pros and cons of uh, has this actually made us safer in more in either more or all environments, or is this purely supposed to protect us in a single situation right right i completely agree we'll see uh what kind of effects it has as it goes on hopefully um you know if if a car was to engulf in flames or something like that we don't run into an issue where a driver is injured because they couldn't get out fast enough and come you know come to find out that this device is actually again maybe causing more hazards than than helping so um yeah there's the halo uh nobody really likes it uh, but it goes to live on. Uh, on and it's here to stay. Cars. It is here to stay. Uh, moving on to uh, the change in oil burning. Um, for those who, uh, those fans that don't know what oil burning is, Brian, um, do you want to explain a little bit on what it is and, and why it is that, or maybe why it is that Formula One uh, decided to ban oil burning? Sure. So oil burning, basically the, the rules of F1, you're – very regulated on the the fuels and what you can actually use for combustion in the engine to make power. Um, 
In a more extreme case, uh, that means you can't use rocket fuel, diesel fuel, whatever. Um, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's purely gasoline. But what the engine manufacturers were doing last year is they were introducing um, an extra bit of uh, oil, basically blow-by. They were introducing that into the cylinders to use it as an actual combustion device, not just, um, again, you're going to use oil as lubrication, and definitely introducing that in the combustion chamber can, you, you've seen it in different forms of motorsport over the years, that's a way to increase lubrication and uh, either like cool the pistons, uh, cool the actual combustion chamber, but what they've actually been using it for is as a fuel. So uh, to compare it in an extreme case, it basically like you've had two stroke F1 cars out there. So, um, so basically the introduction of, of banning that is to get back to, again, just using the single fuel. Uh, plus I think it's definitely, uh, it's, it's, uh, kind of the environmental aspect of it too, where oil is a pretty dirty burn. Um, it definitely creates a lot of smoke. I think it's partly, I just don't think it necessarily looks good. It's for the image of it. Um, but as with anything, they're always trying to limit performance advantages that the teams have. So, right, and I'm hoping that that's what it does. Uh, again, I and like many others out there would just love to see a closer playing field. So I would love to see, you know, the the likes of the Haas team and and Williams and um, you know teams maybe with lower budgets that haven't been doing well over the last few years be able to fight more, you know, in the mid-pack, fight more for points, um, you know, and, and based on testing results, which we'll get into a little later, it does seem like this may be the case, and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully throughout the season we see uh, a lot more battles and, and, and a lot more fighting on the track. I think it would be great, and, and you know, again, it's yet to see what the, the ban on oil burning will do. Yeah, and and based off of what was being said in the paddock last year, like especially Christian Horner of Red Bull, I mean, he was saying that uh, he made it seem a little more as though Ferrari and Mercedes uh, were getting more of an, of an advantage out of it. So, again, those are the top two teams that are definitely head and shoulders above uh, everyone else. But um, I think, you know, it's something that's affecting all the teams. Uh, it's everyone together. Um, I think everybody was doing it last year. And while it was a poor performance advantage, I don't think it was anything drastic. So... Um, I think that's the normal state of affairs with regulation. You're always trying to, again, maybe slow the cars down to a certain degree, but definitely just trying to level the playing field. So um, I don't think it's anything that's going to dramatically affect the season. So Yeah, yeah. So that about wraps it up for the changes uh, for the 2018 season, uh, more or less. So, you know, from the 2017 season, that's what we're looking at. Moving into the 2018 season, um, as for liveries and how the cars look, sponsorships, things like that, we have seen quite a few changes over the off season as well, or even late into last Depending season. Depending on the team, at least. Right, right. So we've seen Ashton Martin uh, pick up with Red Bull at the end of last season, and uh, we've also seen the introduction or the reintroduction of Alfa Romeo uh, partnering with Sauber. And boy, does that livery look... Uh, I think it looks nice. Um, granted, well, I think it is a just about plan, anything but... would be an improvement over Salbers of of uh, of late, either <laughs> just being gray and white. Or I was never a huge fan of the the blue and yellow livery that that they were running right. about two years ago. Right. No, I I definitely agree. And um, man, that Red Bull uh, little testing. Uh, the testing know, livery, oh, yeah, man. the, the that camo, camo <laughs> was beautiful. I don't know why they didn't decide to stick with that, but man, I mean, I get that you're gonna have to look into costs as far as revamping the entire merchandise of Red Bull and all that stuff. Yeah, man, well, I think that's I think the thing they've been loved it. they've been building upon that the livery they have now for a long time now. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of. Uh, you know, that, that's already a well-known uh, principle of, of their liberty. So their speaking livery. of them, and, and like I said, they picked up Ashton Martin as, as a title sponsor near the end of last year. What do you make of that? We all know that, um, so, you know, they're, they are partnering. They have partnered with Renault over the last four years uh, as the engine supplier, and uh, it, is, it, it is done at the end. Well, tell, tell me this, Mike. What, what is the name of that team? Uh, I believe it's like a book long. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, something like Aston Martin, Red Bull Racing, yes. Tag Heuer, 
Renault. So so it's 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 Aston Martin Red Bull Racing. Aston Martin is not the title sponsor, but they are. I, I don't even know. I mean, what, what's the point of them being on there? <laughs> well, I mean, you are seeing Aston Martin sponsor or get Red Bull sponsoring in other forms of motorsport too. But basically, you've got uh, Red Bull, which is actually an engineering firm in England. So you've got this English engineering racing firm right. sponsored by an English manufacturer, car manufacturer. Okay, that makes sense. Right. But it's title sponsor, what it's actually called, is an Austrian energy drink <laughs> manufacturer that's powered by French Renault engines that they badge as Swiss watches as Tag Heuer. So, you know, that's, uh, I think that is uh, commercialism at its finest right there. Hey, hey, but mind you, mind you, mind you, this is my favorite team, so well, there you go. you got to be careful. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're going to briefly touch on, uh, on all of... Uh, the quote-unquote new liveries, because uh, as we get to the first one, Mercedes here, uh, there's not too much new about it. Um, I, I can't say there's much to say. Yeah, silver, <laughs> turquoise, it's, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, <laughs> I think that's the same. Yeah, they, they, kept a, they kept a pretty same basis as 2017. And Ferrari, um, so I they think did they... lose. They did lose a large sponsor, at, at least as far as... Um, affecting their livery as well so right. we had the past few years uh, i guess almost 10 years oh well, no not 10 years uh but for a while now they've had the santander sponsorship so we've lost the white on the wings and obviously their branding and on yep on the on the rear wing on the side of the um the side of the car so we've definitely got a much more scarlet ferrari to me the red looks a little bit closer to like the 2007 red mm -hmm. um again more of a deeper red they've got a little bit of the white with the italian tricolor on the engine cover i think that's kind of a hark back to at least it makes me think of like the the nicky lauda like the 1976 those, those mid 70s ferrari f1 cars but you know still overall um, I think as you look at any Ferrari livery for the last 60 years, it's been just about the same. So I think they're always locked into oh, yeah. what they have. Oh, yeah. Uh, we touched on Red Bull. Their livery pretty much stayed the same. Pretty much um, stayed the same. They, of course, they added the Aston Martin sponsorship on the rear wing. Uh, otherwise, uh, also to about say the same from last about year the same for sure uh for cindia got a little more pink got a little got a little more pink uh we definitely they, they've been pink for a little bit now uh less black uh no more orange it doesn't look like there's any orange on the cars anymore no and what's funny too is i i feel like i don't know if it's just they they do a good job with placing so many sponsorships all over the car but i feel like just by by looking at the car they have the most like sponsorships on the car. Yeah, I, I definitely like think they do a good job details. of of uh, uh, commercial real estate on right. their on their car. Right. Though. They definitely cover it from. from and of course, this team is still called Force India at this point. Right. Um, they've actually said that being called Force India has um, uh, kept them from getting more title sponsorships, more sponsorships. So. Uh, they still can't come up with a name. We'll see how much longer in this season they're actually called Force India. Um, but I guess that's something for us to watch. Sure. Williams, uh, they kind of stayed the same with what they were going with last year. Um, they didn't switch up too much at all. Uh, there's still that primary white uh, with the Martini, with the Martini logo, stripes. which uh, has is been announced. That is no longer going to be one of their sponsorships. Yes, at the this end is of the, the year. last year of uh, the Martini partnership with Williams. Now, one thing I do want to mention too with this is the introduction of the Halo. Some of the teams have kind of gone on like a pattern with the Halo and introduced it as like a secondary color. Some have stuck with like the primary color. Personally, I prefer when they kind of make it uh, like that secondary color where it kind of offsets the primary color of the body. For example, the next car, the Renault, uh, it has that primary yellow um, kind of in the front and on the sides with that secondary black. Um, and they kind of kept that halo black, and I think it offsets really well. There's, there's definitely, you can see which teams are trying to hide it uh, or definitely disguise it. Uh, interestingly, I still think which we'll, we'll get to them in a second, but I think McLaren is the only team, could be wrong about that, uh, I think McLaren's the only team right now that 
actually has sponsorship on the, the Halo itself. Right. Which, I, I think from what we've seen right now, I believe that's the case. Um, but, you know, I think the Renault is probably one of my favorite looking right now. They kind of added a little bit more black to their car um, than from what what it was last year. They had definitely had a lot more yellow. Um, I think black and yellow always looks good together. Again, they've kind of stuck with that yellow front, that yellow body, and and put the halo black, and I think it looks really, really, really sleek. I like. I think they introduced this last year, or or maybe it is on the new car. But they've got uh, just on the on the tip of the nose, they've got the uh, French tricolor there. I think that's a nice little addition. Yeah. yeah um, like it. It's just it's small, but uh, I think it's noticeable. So that's pretty cool. Uh, next, we've got Toro Rosso. Which they changed their they, their livery is about the same as it was last year, right, but, last but last year, year was a huge departure oh yeah, oh from yeah, from what oh they've yeah. had. And I still think it's it's easily one of the best on the grid. I think it's probably the most successful livery that for for the brand that they have. I right. mean, it, when you look at the Toro Rosso, it looks like a Red Bull can, and the you know there's the actual extra metallic sheen to it when you see it in person. I think it's great. I I I really like that. I, I really love like it. that livery. I love it. And uh, Haas, Haas, they they changed it up a little bit. They were a lot more gray last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've Added seen them change red. it quite a few times in just the few years that they've even been here. Personally, I did like last year's look a tad bit more. Um, they they have uh, you see a lot of teams go with maybe like a two two base color. Here's my primary. Here's my secondary. They've definitely got Haas kind of has a, 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 color yeah, going a third on. one going. Um, it looks nice. Uh, they switched it up a tad bit again, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's there. <laughs> it is there. That is true. Well, I think what's helping Haas as well this year is they're they're just about the only car this year that it like has a lot of gray on it. Um, I think the last two years we've had like two or three cars that were gray. Again, Salber used to be gray, um, and I really like that grayed out. That great out Haas. Like a lot of people, I think I had a had a lot of backlash. I I, I think the biggest thing was it just kind of really got lost. It. it got lost in in the myriad of gray liveries that right, we had. Right. But it did almost have that Audi LMP1 look, which was I liked cool. it. But yeah, you know, I love how we did. And then uh, on to probably the biggest change of 2018. And everybody knows. Maybe even one of the best liveries this year. Yeah, I mean, it definitely. McLaren. It's you either love it or you hate it. The McLaren livery is here. It's back. Papaya uh, orange. Papaya orange with, is back. I'm not sure if that blue has a color, but I really like the blue. Uh, the orange is, I think, what is definitely controversial to a lot of people who maybe aren't necessarily giant McLaren fans. Sure, yeah, it's um, definitely that historical right. 1970s Can-Am type look. Right. Uh, those who who aren't um, diehard McLaren fans, you know, definitely have mixed uh, reviews on that orange. I like it. Um, I think it looks. I'd really say I like good. it too. I love it way more than the last few years. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. And I, I can't wait to see this car in person uh, just from seeing still shots and, and some of the shots from testing. Um, I think that car is really going to show really well, in, in, again, in person and with the, with the sun shining on it. So uh, finally, uh, we have Sauber, which is now Alfa Romeo Sauber. Yep, yep. Um, even though that's just a Ferrari engine, but I guess that's okay. Um, I do love Alfa Romeo, uh, so... I'm definitely glad to see them back in F1. Uh, that's a good thing. You know, hopefully they can that cash injection can really help Sauber uh, close in. Yeah, I mean they were on the verge of uh, being getting boot. Yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely closing shop. Um, and I so think I'm there's glad I think there's a lot of people in Switzerland that are happy to keep. Well, their and job. I was nervous too. You know, because in today's state with F1, I mean we've already gone down. Uh, you know, a team. You know. When uh, when Maynard you know left us yeah we so, lost Maynard yeah. um, we lost um, uh, Catrum we we've definitely lost a, we've lost so a we're already teams. down to twenty cars on the grid and I don't think we could afford to lose another team so big up stuff Romeo uh, coming in clutch there and uh, delivery kind of simple looks really good to me I'm I'm a very simplistic person I love that look um, with the with the red and white um, and I, I love that Alfa Romeo logo right there just smacked on the side of that car <laughs> well i i think it i think it makes sense for alfa romeo as well because when you think of a car you think of its engine being its heart so you've got this white car that suddenly there's this burst of 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 red right there on the engine cover with this alfa romeo logo so i think that's really gonna i think that's gonna um 
hitting the hearts of all the uh, Alfa Romeo fans out there. For so, sure, for yeah, sure. I definitely so have to agree. That definitely um, concludes our um, our little spill over liveries and sponsorships. Uh, again, it's going to be interesting at the end of the year to see what Red Bull does with their engine supplier as well as uh, if anything with Aston Martin. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. As, as far as off-track changes, uh, definitely here in the U.S., we've got a pretty big change. Uh, the broadcasting rights are, um, it's now owned by ABC, so it's mm-hmm. being broadcast through ESPN, their oh, yeah. network. Uh, but I think it's interesting what they've chosen, and I'm actually extremely excited about it. Uh, they won't be using their own team. Uh, basically, they'll just be giving an official bootleg of the Sky Sports F1 broadcast, which... Um, Love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that they've got... Um, I think that they've probably got the best broadcast out there. Um, definitely. Well, and it was the best best move that ESPN could have done. I mean, I think the last thing a lot of Brits and, and Europeans would have liked to hear or see uh, if they're you know here in the U.S. is is some American guy that has no idea what he's talking about in the Formula One sport. And I think they did a, a great job in doing that, um, considering this will be their first year, you know, showing and, and broadcasting F1. So I think they did a great job. It was a great move by them. And I think it will help out a lot with the growth of the sport. Yeah, I mean, especially when you've got such a, when you've got such a strong broadcasting team. Um, I mean, you've got Martin Brundle, Paul DeResta, um Ted Kravitz, he, he's a he's a interesting fellow, but I, I think a lot of people like him. I love him. Yeah, I I'm a fan too. But you've got again, you've got actual F one, you know, past F one drivers. Again, Paul Deresta, I mean, he raced last year. So right, and he, he has a lot of great insight in his broad. He does a very good job in his broadcasting and commentaries. You know about the racing aspects of what's going on. Yeah. You know, he'll he'll go into detail watching you. Hey, watch. Valtteri Botas hit this corner, you know, or, you know, they, he does a very good job in, in detailing for viewers that may not understand or know the intricacies of, of racing. Um, so I really do enjoy the lineup, and, and I look forward to, to, you know, watching and listening to the races a lot more than NBC's coverage. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I fully respect the, the NBC guys. I mean, they, they were the... F1 broadcasters in the U.S. for the longest time. I mean, Steve Matchett, um, you know, Bob Varsha, David Hobbs, uh, even Calvin Fish. Um, like, massive respect to those guys. Um, but I, I think that the NBC coverage was definitely lacking. Um, and I can't say I was a huge fan of how NBC ran things. Uh, I think that also carried over into the Olympics as well. But, you know, that's, uh, that's another story for another time. <laughs> I guess the, the other part of broadcasting that we can touch on as well uh, we don't know a lot about it uh and it's still in the works and coming but uh you're gonna have f1 tv oh yeah and so, i'm excited for it i am excited they have uh, as of now haven't released released it or launched it um the fee for the monthly fee to subscribe to it uh, is very you know minuscule for the kind of services that it'll provide i think it'll be sweet to be able to hop on your favorite driver's cam or or radio and listen to them and watch them solely and you can kind of mess around with who you're watching when you're watching them i think it'll be great um and i think it'll help out a lot for viewership for people who might like teams that aren't always on the tv because they're not in p1 or p2 um so i think i think it'll branch out the sport greatly well and i think as as far as i'm aware as well they are going to have a um on-demand uh type service as well where you can watch which i think uh can really help out f1 because since it is such a global sport you've got races at all hours of the the day early morning depending on where you are whether australia you know generally malaysia is pretty early too i know they've changed the scheduling around so that it is at a more amenable hour to most people um but still you you've got you don't have a specific set time necessarily that it is so I think that can help out fans who need to who want to watch but aren't crazy like us and want to wake up at 2 a.m. to watch uh, yeah. practice session. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's the biggest issue, especially here in the United States, uh, as far as viewership and fans go. Um, you know, because to get into it, you know, you have to 
to watch it, you know, on somebody who might not be a diehard fan like we are and, and many others are here in the States um, to come on and be like, oh, man, it's coming on at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. I'm not trying to wake up that early. Being able to uh, pay 8 to $12 a month or whatever it was that they stated and go back and watch that race whenever they want to, I think will definitely help. Um, and so, you know, the introduction of the ESPN broadcast, I think, I think that'll be great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, lastly, to wrap up the offseason, uh, going into the 2018 season, the testing uh, results, the testing um, itself, uh, week one. So you mean the, the hard facts, not just uh, words being said about teams and drivers. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's look into that. Yeah, so week one, complete disaster. Um, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty pointless. You had uh, snow. You had rain, you had extremely cold temperatures, which most of those things, barring rain, of course it was more freezing rain, but you don't run Formula One cars in snow or zero. Well, and it was really fun to see some of them try. Uh, I think it was interesting. Granted, they collected zero data by doing so. It was really cool to see a couple of the teams go out there uh, and, and try to maneuver in some snowy conditions. Uh, but yeah, they pretty much just showed up to Barcelona and, uh, lollygagged in the garage for a week. Well, I mean, it is Barcelona, so, I mean, it's, it's a pretty fantastic place, so. Right. And it's a great track, too. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a great I track. think it would be cool to see testing switched from track to track each year. Uh, granted, I know they choose Barcelona because of its mix of corners. Because of its temperate climate, and, and it's and always temp- warm in February. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to have a Makota. I mean, come on. Yeah. We have a great track mixed with corners and straights. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it would be really cool, and I think that would also help out with fans and growing the sport is including something like testing uh, in, a, in a different track each year um, and allowing you Or know, even fans. more than just one or two preseason tests where that's all you've got. Yeah, I think right. if you, you mix it up, now obviously that's going to add cost to the game. Right. Uh, but... Again, if you can have tests, yeah, like you said, around the world at different tracks where fans can get up close, maybe you know interact with the teams a little more without the high pressure environment that F one always is, which again that's always going to be there. Uh, but yeah, that that could be that could be something interesting. So, but yeah, as far as actual data goes, uh, week one I don't think really told us anything. Um, at least week two, they definitely got running. Uh, temperatures warmed up. It was sunny for the most part. Um, let, let me ask you this. Are you surprised by any of the of the data collected from, from testing? Definitely by Toro Rosso. Um, I think they were definitely a dark horse there with that Honda engine. Everybody was expect, expecting uh, a McLaren Honda redo of the year in Toro Rosso. Um, and for them to just go in there and outlap just about everybody uh was astonishing uh, and have that kind of reliability in that engine um of course, I, think, I, I guess they had to get it at least somewhat right at some point right right and they kept saying they would and they would and they would and i guess it just took them an entire winter break to do so well they don't have the curse of fernando alonso right yeah so who uh ironically had some troubles mclaren definitely still having some issues um you know, even even Renault themselves are still having a lot of issues. Um, you know, going forward into this year, it looks like Renault is definitely concentrating more on the reliability aspect of the motor, right. as opposed to the actual performance and horsepower out of it. Um, I think that's definitely going to hurt, especially Red Bull, and and the championship bid when we're going to tracks that are more engine dependent. Uh, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be behind. Uh, we'll we'll see how Renault develops the the engine through the year, but definitely they from what they've said, it, it's going to be more of rely, reliability. Uh, well, and another team that uh, greatly and happily surprised was Haas, um, yes. the great old United States home team. Uh, man, I'm excited for the season just by their results alone. I mean, I know you can't take too much out of out of testing, but uh, from what they've looked like the last two years. And testing is a giant leap for Haas and their team with Roman Grosjean and 
and Kevin Magnuson. I'm so excited to see these guys go racing this year because I think they're going to have a, a, the best car they've had yet. Yeah, I think as far as actual surprises from testing goes, which, again, it's it's always testing. Um, sometimes testing is in itself it, its own thing and doesn't necessarily translate into into race results. Right. Uh, you can't read too much into it because it is just that it's, it's a simulation. Um, but, yeah, I think Haas definitely is surprised the most people uh even in the formula one community itself uh looks like they've got a pretty good package um obviously they've got a technical partnership with ferrari um that i think really helps them i think the ferrari engine itself has um i think they've improved it a lot for this year Uh, so i think that's going to help all the teams that are running that that unit so obviously ferrari themselves uh, you've got haas um, even sauber uh, last year they were running uh, year-old engines, so they were running a 2016 engine in 2017. Right, and now they get up to date. Now they've got the full-on package, which right. is going to be a massive improvement for them. Um, and, of course, there's the extra cash injection and technical technical partnership they have through Alfa Romeo with, again, Ferrari. And their brand-new driver. And their brand-new driver, who I will admit is... I don't think I can't remember the last time I was this excited about a driver, Charles Leclerc. Um, my goodness, he put on such a show last year in F two, um, just completely dominated that championship last year. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on um, going into F one. Um, obviously, stepping up to faster, um, harder to drive cars, um, and we'll see how. He compares to his teammate, who's uh, had just about three seasons now, uh, 70-something races I think he's got under his belt. So we'll see how he comes out of the box, how he competes against Ericsson, um, who I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of. I, I know I can't say I'm the biggest fan of him. Right. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something to watch. Um, Sauber itself has gotten a boost. I think that they've got... Um, I think they've got a great driver in in um, Leclerc, um, so that's definitely going to be something to watch. Um, now, Force India, they don't look so well. Uh, I mean, based on testing results, again, it's testing is testing, but um, I don't know. Force well, India looks like Force India like is almost back. in the same position that Sauber has been in uh, most of the way through last year and definitely in twenty sixteen. Um, obviously there's a lot of things going on within that team. Um, there's the breakup of being Force India, whatever that entails, and obviously their big financier, Vijay Malaya. And your president who can't even leave the country. Yes, who's, well, that, that's just a quagmire all in itself. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where to start there. Um, but yeah, I think they, they don't have a lot of money. Um, this year's car um, is really just a 2017 car with a halo attached onto it, which right. you do have. You, they had to make changes to the actual chassis itself. Um, if it were up to them, they would have just run the 2017 car in 2018. But there was the massive change for with the halo and the right. changes there. Right. But I think um, we could potentially see some good results from them having a, I guess, at least trusted package since they've been using that car for a whole year now. But I think we're only going to see them go backwards. Um, hopefully they can start out the year strong. Um, but until they can get their finances sorted, um, I think we're going to see the team that was fourth best last year and really consistent. I think we're going to see them consistently two to three places back. I, I think it's going to be a lot more of a struggle for them to get in the points, especially with Haas looking so strong, at least in testing. Um, They might be able to jump ahead of Toro Rosso with the big question mark of the Honda power plant. As fast as it has been, um, and as seemingly reliable as it has been for a Honda F1 motor, they still did about a third of the testing that anyone else did. Right. Um, with just their laps and, and the actual amount of kilometers that they that they covered. Um, again, we'll see how they compare to the Renault unit. Uh, Renault had a lot of issues at the end of 2017. Um, 
that's just that's the that's the big question mark there. Um, let's talk about Williams. 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 So very up and down. They they should have enough cash this year. Hopefully. Um, they still have the Martini sponsorship, and they have two seemingly uh, pay drivers. You have Sergey Sorotkin. You have who, who? Who's their other driver? I can't Lance Stroll. remember. Ah, Lance Stroll. Strolls. Yes, which I think again, Lance Stroll. He got a lot of flack last year, but he did score a podium. He did. He did what he had to do, he man. I mean, he outraced Felipe Massa in a few races. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, you don't just come on as a young kid and outrace a legend of the sport like that without having some. Uh, some driving skills, you know. Yeah, definitely and, somebody somebody as experienced as Felipe, um, even with all the foibles that he had. I I think that was I think he put in a pretty impressive uh, run last year. Um, and I think he'll definitely far outdrive Sergey Sorokin. Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to see. Um, something I learned I learned recently um, about. Sorotkin is last year he actually got a degree from uh, I think it was Moscow University yeah for engineering in race car engineering yeah so that could be uh, my bold my bold prediction for the season is that uh, midway through we see Kubica come back in because Sergey isn't doing too well and uh, we see Sorotkin as as an engineer in the Williams team (laughs) now wouldn't that be something Goes from driver to lollipop. Man. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's it's really early to tell. Um, having watched Sergey and some of the uh, development series um, in F two, um, maybe didn't win championships, and there were definitely times where um, he seemingly threw it off when he when he had it in the bag. Um, but the one thing. The one thing you do get year after year is generally maturity. So, um, I think he, I think he's got, I think he's got the speed. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that now. I think he's got the speed. Whether he can have the consistency or that last three to five percent that makes you, um, that takes you out of being a good driver. Can you max out the potential of your car? Yeah, and you can know? you consistently do that? Right. Which I think we saw. I think that was part of. Uh, Lance's issue is I don't right. I don't know if he could consistently get the best out of that car right. weekend week out. Um, now, it also seems like the Williams is a pretty tricky car to drive, at least as far as last year went. Um, so how much of that again, driver? How it was much? either like you're getting you're getting into Q three easily, or you're out in Q one. Yeah, Very rarely was it in the middle. Yeah, so that's that's definitely something to watch. Um, Renault is now a and and they've been since last year but they're now a factory team Renault's Mm -hmm. stepping up and concentrating on their factory team um again that power unit is still a big question mark um as far as speed and reliability goes um but I, i think they've got i think they've got more cash which is which is a good thing now Renault themselves have said they aren't wanting to just finance the team into being successful. Um, so I think that's going to, I think there's a, a lot that's going to need doing with that team and with that car to keep moving. I do think they're grid. on the right track though. I think they're, I think they're on the right, they're, they're on the up and up. Well, they signed Carlos Sainz, which I think, fantastic. which I think is, yeah, I, I think he's a great driver. Um, I think it's going to be exciting to see him get into better cars, um, but again, we haven't really been. Able I, to I see think his he'll outrace Hulkenberg throughout the year. Yeah, Hulkenberg is. I mean, it'll be a very close. It'll be like a, a Perez and Ocon battle, I believe. Hopefully, not ramming each other off the track Hopefully. like Ocon and Perez. <laughs> um, which, again, instead of it being in point positions, we might see Perez and Ocon crashing each other off for 15th and 16th place. Right. Yeah, they're they're not looking too hot. But but yeah, so let's go into uh, every every episode, guys. What we're going to do is do a a race prediction for the following, uh, for the upcoming race. Uh, But since this is preseason, we're also going to do some predictions on who we believe 
you know, will be where in the Constructors and Drivers Championship. Uh, would you like to begin with your Constructors Championship? Yeah. Um, as much of a Ferrari fan as I am. Um, and you are. And I am. Um, I I just think Mercedes is, is going to win the Constructors Championship. I think that their driver lineup is consistent enough uh, with Hamilton and Botas. I think Botas is pretty similar to Kimi Raikkonen in that there are some weekends where they're just off. Uh, they don't seem to just show up um, or their pace is off. But then there's others where they can capitalize on a race win if uh, something happens to either Hamilton or Vettel. Um, we definitely saw that last year with Botas uh, when he needed to, stepping up uh, and taking the reins. Uh, but ultimately, those two teams, Mercedes is pushing for Hamilton and Ferrari is pushing for Vettel. I don't think Kimi has the... I don't think he has the consistency for Ferrari to win the Constructors' Championship. You have to have both cars finishing top four, top five, or finishing on the podium. Um, and just with the pace that Mercedes and the reliability that Mercedes has, I, I just don't think that there's a team that's, that's up there to dethrone them, at least at the Constructors' Championship yet. Um, so I, I think it's a pretty easy prediction this year, but I think top three is definitely going to be uh, Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, as it, as it was last year. Uh, they're definitely, the top three teams are head and shoulders above everyone else, and I think it would take something pretty dramatic for them to lose that. Uh, so that's definitely my prediction for, for constructors. Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree. It's hard to, to go any other way. Um, as more so a Red Bull fan, I would love to see them try to get that uh, second place in the constructors. Uh, it is definitely possible, and the reason I'd say so is because uh, as you were saying, you know, Kimi isn't necessarily the most consistent driver out there, and he uh, isn't necessarily always consistently in the top five, top three, top four. Uh, and here we have a Red Bull team with two very motivated, very aggressive, go-for-it drivers that will push their cars to the end uh, every single race. And, um, you know, I think because of that, it is possible that Red Bull could edge out Ferrari, uh, pending their reliability is there with the Renault engine. Um, however, I still do see that the Ferrari sees that second place in the constructors with Red Bull in third. Uh, for the Drivers' Championship, I do think that uh, Vettel will come back with a fury. I do expect and hope that uh, he does pull it out. And I predict that he will get the Drivers' Championship this year with Hamilton in a close second and with my favorite, Max Verstappen, in a very close third. I think with the reliability in his car, he is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, um, I certainly hope that Vettel will win this year. Um, And again, as a Ferrari fan, that's what I'll be cheering for um, every race. Um, but I still think I still think Hamilton's gonna. I think he's gonna wrap it up. Um, I think he's just s- so strong mentally now, which has always been Hamilton's downfall. And I still think it's. I still think it's his weak weak point. Um, but I think he's got. He's got so much armor around him with with the team, with Toto Wolff, with that Mercedes power plant. Um, and Botas showing last year that he he just can't compete against him. Um, I think you've got all the things lining up to help Hamilton win that world championship. So um, I see, <clears throat> excuse me, I definitely see Hamilton taking it. Uh, I agree. I think it'll be a close battle between the top two. I think Vettel will finish uh, P2. Um, but... I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree on the Red Bull front. I think I think Ricardo's gonna take third. Um, I think the biggest thing you have, the biggest motivator you have for Ricardo, 
<clears throat> excuse me again. I think the biggest motivation you have for Ricardo is the fact that he's got a contract he needs to sign right. at the end of the year. Um, and he's gunning for your spot, Valtteri yeah, Bottas. And he's, and he's, he's playing hardball as well. You know, he could have he could have signed that contract with Red Bull a long time ago oh, yeah. and been very safe. Now, he's going to have to be careful and not alienate himself with Red Bull because, um, again, that's... I think Red Bull, no matter what, is still going to be a, a strong top three sure. team. Um, top three, you know, top four, definitely. Um, so if he ostracizes himself, making waves about wanting to go other places, if he loses that Red Bull seat and then doesn't grab a Mercedes Ferrari seat, that could that could really affect his career. Yeah. Um, but I think he's got I think he's got a little bit more of the consistency that. Max loses out on because he is so aggressive. Right. Um, I think Max is probably one of the most exciting drivers to watch on the grid because he makes stuff happen that just seemingly other drivers can't make happen. Um, but again, sometimes he goes over that limit and either ends up in a, in a tussle um, or ends up not scoring points. Um, again, I think that has a lot to do with the, the maturity factor. Um, I think as the years go on, he's he's only going to get better. Um, but yeah, my top three definitely think Hamilton, Vettel, and then and then Ricardo to to end that up. Well, uh, it'll be yet to see. And uh, those are our predictions for the year. Lastly, we'll go over uh, the Australian race, Australian Grand Prix um, coming up very very soon. And um, you know, really, we're just going kind of based off of testing and kind of what we. Uh, what we've seen and what we've said here but um you know my my race prediction as far as the podium goes for the australian grand prix to open up the 2018 season is um i'm gonna have to say that uh, hamilton takes p1 uh, vettel takes a p2 and uh, i'll say kimmy raikkonen gets a p3 i think kimmy will go out uh, with the Bing, I think this will be his last season, and I think we'll see him on the podium quite a few times this year. So I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say, I say a limb. It's really not that. It's not that exciting. <laughs> I think Kimmy's going to win big it. Branch. Yeah, I think I think Kimmy is going to win. Um, I think that Hamilton is going to be P2, and I think Vettel's going to be P3. Um, Australia is a track that doesn't have a lot to do with any of the other circuits. It's kind of its own standalone race. It doesn't necess- if you're fast there, it doesn't necessarily mean you're fast for the rest of the year. Um, but I think, I think Kimmy's going to come out strong, uh, in the first race. One, I think because he has to, I think he's got a little bit of extra motivation to do better. Um, because he doesn't have a contract at the end of the year um but i think he's probably gonna fade as the season goes as he does but i think he's gonna get it done in this first i mean i think that's definitely a a thin branch there considering uh when was the last time he won a race i have no idea i literally have no idea um i can't remember it's it's been a while i'll tell you i mean if kimmy comes out and wins this that'd be great i mean to see kimmy on on the top step which hasn't been done. And like I said, I don't know. It's been a while. I know that. Yeah. Um, it would be really cool to see him on that top step again and actually see a Kimi Raikkonen smile for the first time <laughs> in many, many moons. Well, I, I think it would be good. I think it would be good for one, him going into this season as, as well as for Ferrari. I think that if that could get him motivated at least halfway through the season, um, that could help Ferrari and the constructors. Um but yeah, I think I think he's gonna I think he's gonna grab it. I think Australia is a track that kind of suits his driving style, um, and he always he seems to do well on those one-off tracks. So we'll see how that goes. But that's definitely that's definitely where I'm I'm standing on. Uh, but I I guess that's gonna wrap it up for us. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely enjoyed recording our first uh, episode of this year. I'm super excited to continue. Uh, you'll hear from us after the Australian Grand Prix and every race, race thereafter. 
Um, again, don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Will Spin Network. We'd love to have feedback and uh, any suggestions on anything else you'd like us to talk about. Twitter at Will Spin Net. And uh, otherwise, it was great, um, you know, recording this year with you, Brian. I truly, truly, truly can't wait for the rest of the season. Um, any closing words? You know, I... I have to just echo what you're saying, Mike. I'm super excited uh, for this season, for this podcast, and uh, improving the show for our listeners here. Um, So, yeah, again, thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Uh, And I guess we'll talk to you guys after Australia. Later. Thanks again.